Appreciate you being here. Thanks so much. Before we get into a new sermon series, let me remind you of one thing. We got a call from uh, Pensacola area, and they said it's pretty bad down there with the remnants of, uh, I don't know what hurricane it was, to be quite honest with you. Um, but uh, three feet of rain uh, down there, lots of trees down. And so Eric MacArthur, who some of you know, uh, is living down there now, and he said, hey, man, if y'all can put a team down, we need lots of help down here. So uh, he has arranged for us for accommodations and things, and I said, hey, you know, COVID and all that, I don't know what the response will be and all that kind of stuff, but uh, I told him that I would make us uh, aware of that. And so uh, obviously the earliest we could get down there would probably be leaving a week from tomorrow, and we would go Monday through Friday type of deal. So I don't know how many of you are would be possibly interested in, in stuff like that. The cost for that mission trip would would probably end up being your airfare, which would be uh, maybe $200 or so. We've got money put aside for stuff like that. And so we would be um, doing some chainsaw work with trees and also going in and um, cutting out where the water was in homes and uh snapping a chalk line on some drywall about three feet up or wherever the water line was and then taking out uh, drywall and then leaving and going to another house to do it because they just have to let it dry out. And uh, so anyone is interested in that, you need to talk to me, you need to email me, you need to text me because that has to come together kind of quickly. And so I know it's a weird time and all that, but uh, let me know if you're interested uh, in that. We had a sermon series that I've called Stop It, and I've called it Stop It because I've got a video I want to show you that's called Stop It, and I've been wanting to show you this video forever. And so this has finally worked out that I could name a sermon series this way. Um, uh, this, th- I love this video. Uh, this is second service, so some of you won't know the name Bob Newhart, but Bob Newhart was, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob Newhart was big in the 70s and 80s, and uh, nobody knows him after that probably. Uh, but I always liked his very dry, sarcastic sense of humor. That's my way as well. You may not think this is funny at all, but I think it's hilarious, okay? And uh, he, he's in a skit where he's a psychologist or psychiatrist, one or the other, and someone comes into him with some issues in their life, okay? And that's where we pick that up. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well... I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. (laughs) I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. 
Okay, you're there. Stop it! <laughs> I think that's hilarious. New word, IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is <laughs> stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds frightening. <laughs> then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, child. No. Okay. Uh, I don't know how long he stayed in the psychiatry business, but uh, I, I've been wanting to show that for a long time. Jesus says stop it for a lot of things in our lives. So the sermon series is we'll be looking at things that Jesus told us not to do. Okay. And uh, today's is kind of right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus uh, speaking at the end of chapter 6 in Matthew. Some of you know where I'm going. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Stop it. Stop it. Do not worry about what you will eat or about your life, what you will eat or drink or or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor. They do not spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, King James, O ye of little faith? And I thought it was interesting as I looked into the Greek language this week. Literally, literally, if you translated it word for word, um, it would say, you little faithers, you. <laughs> I thought that was funny. You little faithers, you. Next verse. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that's basically many times a biblical word for people who do not know God, who worship other gods. For the pagans, they run after those things. They're worried about those things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own as I read that I said well I guess the first thing I need to do is define worry because hey if if Christopher and Levi have a curfew at 11 and it's 1 30 and they're not in there's something going on with me 
and I can be all spiritual and say that's not worry or, or it, it, I don't know what that is. So there's obviously some kind of genuine concern. There's some kind of a genuine worry or something that he's talking about here. And what is a biblical definition for worry? And I think it's easier. And I never found one that I really, really like as much as I look for one. Uh, I think we know worry and we know the, the difference between worry and just a genuine concern. And you may say, well, that's just a verbiage difference. Well, no, Apostle Paul says in several places that he was concerned. And so uh, there's got to be some difference between a legitimate concern that your child is two and a half hours late from curfew and it's 1.30 in the morning or whatever that may be and worry. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So all the churches that he started, he was concerned for all those. That evidently is a, is a, uh, a thing that's not to be worried about. That's something different than worry. Uh, Philippians 2.20, Paul says, I have no one like him, speaking of Timothy, who will show genuine concern, genuine care for your welfare. If you're not concerned at all about things, then you that obviously is not a Christian aspect. There is some difference between concern and worry. Philippians 4.10 Apostle Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you last, that you at last renewed your concern for me. Paul was in prison. Only way any prisoner had any kind of thing that he needed at all was family and friends. They sent it to him or sent some money to him or something. Paul says, you have renewed your care for me. You have renewed your concern for me. So there's a difference somewhere between worry and concern. I, when I think of worry, I think of fretting. I think of fretting. I think of, of troubledness in, in my spirit. I think of churning uh, in my spirit. I think of uh, not being able to sleep. I think of, of not being able to function in my life. I think of not being totally rational because worry obviously makes us irrational at times. When I looked up that Greek word that's translated worry, it's from two words that literally means, and this is good, divided mind. You have a divided mind, and that adds a little emphasis to 633 of Matthew that says, seek first. Those, that word worry in the Greek is closely related to word that means distracted or something that is torn into pieces. So even though I don't come with you this morning like a good preacher should and have a definition of worry, I think we know worry when we feel it i think we know the difference between a genuine concern for something that's not right right now and uh, a worry that is not helping me at all uh, a, a fretting and jesus says three times in that passage do not worry now i have a i have a good bit of knowledge of this because my mother's spiritual gift is worrying and i can say that because she's not listening on today all right we visited her yesterday we get one 15 minute visit a week and outside and so we were visiting and uh some of you know they've been in church a while some of you don't know but some of you know they've been in church for a while for six or seven years now i've been watching some abnormalities in my prostate and like 
any guy that lives long enough, uh, we're going to have some kind of issues. And my dad had his prostate removed. My brother had his prostate removed. So obviously, I'm in the bullseye. And so uh, I had a biopsy back several years ago that showed a tiny bit of cancer. Took a second biopsy that showed no cancer, which meant that it's probably so small that he just missed it. So we were doing the, what any of you guys will know this term if you're dealing with this, active surveillance. So we, I take a, a PSA test, a blood test every uh, six months or a year. And so I've watched my PSA go up. And so we're finally at 10-3 on my PSA. Now, um, anything above four um, uh, heightens some concern. My dad's was 26 to give you some kind of um, baseline there. So I told mom, I said, mom, you know, you know, Sue was kicking me under the table when I was saying this, but she said, you know, if she, she'd been mad if I didn't tell her and she found out. So it's kind of a catch 22 thing, you know? And so I said, Mom, you know, um, I just had uh, an MRI, and the doctor wanted me to go have an MRI. I never had an MRI before, just did a biopsy. If the MRI allows you to target the biopsy a little better. So MRI showed one spot they didn't like, okay? So they want me to now have a biopsy that they will target, okay? So I said, Mom, i got to have a biopsy. It's be my third one. And, um, you know, you know, Mom, you know, Dan had it, Dad had it, da 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 I'll be surprised if I keep my prostate, you know, till I die. Um, it's just the odds are, obviously, with family history. And so we talked just a little bit about that as Sue was kicking me on the table and all this stuff, you know. And so mom calls this morning, and she, and she said, um, mom called Sue. I was already left, and mom called, well, how's Mark feeling this morning? I'm feeling fine, mom. I told, her this, I told her yesterday, she got mad at me when I told her. I said, you know, Mom, it is what it is. I just got to do it. She didn't like that because that means you're not going to worry about it. And by her worrying about it, somehow we'll make it better. And, and I said, well, Mom, it is what it is. I just got to deal with it. Well, well. And so I said, is he feeling okay today? It's a warrior. Mom's got, there's... Five or six birthdays coming up in our family. So Sue's job is to get mom cards, and she writes cards, and Sue mails them. And so she goes, well, with Mark this way, are you able to go out and buy my cards? Now, uh, some people have a predisposed issue. I, I understand that. I understand that. But... If you're a worrier, if you're a worrier, it does no good for yourself. In fact, Jesus says, one of the reasons not to worry, 627 of the passage that I just read to you, he says, what good does it do? Can any of you add a single hour to your life by worrying? He appeals to your brain. I, I, I assume, I assume I'm, not, I'm not kind of predisposed to worrying. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about things, and I probably will have some fits of worry in the future. I don't know, but I, it, it's an emotional thing. It's a thing you feel, obviously. And he, Jesus appeals to your brain. He says, what good does it do? 
how are you helping yourself by worrying? Can you add even one hour to your life by worrying? So he feels, first appeals to your, your brain. And, and when Jesus comes and says, don't worry, and you've got big time issues going on along in your life, and you say, sure, Jesus, you're up here in heaven and all that kind of stuff. And so you think it's kind of a nonsensical statement. But then Jesus attacks that and says, what's really nonsensical is, how does worry help you? How are you better? How is the situation better? Now, now, if you can do something about it, then you have some control over about it. So go do that something about it. And that may help you a little bit. In fact, Jesus refers to that. He says, look at the birds. He said, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Meaning we have the ability to sow and reap and store away in barns. We have the ability to plan. We have the ability to do some things. If I'm worried about my retirement, I can plan a little bit more. I can save a little bit more money. I can make some decisions. I can sow or reap and store away in barns. Jesus said, birds don't do that. In fact, I wonder, you know, when it's time to go south for the winter, I want the birds wonder, you know, I wonder why we're doing this. We do this every single year when we go south for the winter. God just takes care of them. And he talks about the, the flowers of the field. He says, they do not labor or spin. We have the ability to label or spin, labor or spin. We can, we can make our own clothes. The grass of the field can't make their own clothes. Yet I tell you, Solomon is not even clothed more splendidly as that grass is. You can do what you can do. But once you've done what you can do, what good is it? Think about it for a second. If I'm worried, then and I can do something about it, then I don't need to be worried because go do something about it. But if I can't do anything about it and I'm worried, then why am I worried? On either way. So he appeals first, first to your brain. And he says, what sense does this make? What sense does this make how are you helping the situation in fact you know you're hurting yourself because doctors will tell us the degree of health issues that arrive because of worrying and by the way we're just bugging everybody around us because we worry so jesus says what good does it do if you can soil or sow or weep or store away in barns, if there's something you can do about this situation, go do it. And then don't worry about it because you've, you've taken care of it. But if there's nothing you can do about it, your hands are tied, then what are you worrying for? And then Jesus says something that's, that's, that uh, hit me this week in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and 32. And in that passage, he says, don't, so don't worry, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the pagans, unbelievers, people who don't know God, run after these things, here it is, and your heavenly Father knows. He didn't say the judge of all the earth knows. He chose, he didn't say the good shepherd knows. He didn't say the ruler, king of all the earth, knows. He says, your heavenly father 
And he makes it a faith issue. He makes it a trust issue. He knows. Do you believe that he does? He knows. Well, well, yeah, he knows, but what if he doesn't? And I don't know what he'll do, if he'll do anything, but he knows. And so he makes it a faith issue, and obviously makes it a faith issue with you, little faithers, you. Your heavenly Father knows. Now that's at the end of chapter 6 of Matthew, and all the way through Matthew chapter 6, he talks about trust issues all the way through. And so he climaxes it here with this whole thing about worry. All the way through chapter 6. And, and chapter 6, verse 1, it opens up with, with, with doing acts of righteousness. And make sure you don't do those acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Don't you know that your father sees even the simplest, smallest act done in his name? Why do you have to be super duper saint and do your acts in front of others to be seen by them. Your Father knows what you do. And that cup of cold water given to a thirsty person, he saw it. Do you believe that? Do you have faith in that? Do you have trust in that? Or do you have to make a deal about your giving, which is where, where he obviously goes two next out of that he says when you give you don't have to make a big display about it so you know we're coming up here and giving this thing you don't have to come up here and be waving this thing around and there you go your father sees what you have given you don't have to do it to be do you know do you trust that do you trust god for the reward on that or do you want your reward now and then he talks about your prayer life in Matthew 6, 5. He says, when you pray, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand on, pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. Know that when you go into your prayer closet, when you're in your car, wherever it may be, he knows and he hears do you believe that you don't have to make a big deal about that and then he goes into the lord's prayer because he says pray like this and so he goes into the lord's prayer and starts with a trust issue our father in heaven hallowed be your name thy kingdom come thy will be done well what what if what if what if what if god doesn't take care of this and what if god Thy will, can I tell you something? Nothing ever comes into your life, Christian friend. One of the great reasons to be wholly devoted to God and, and, and honor Him and, and word, thought, and deed, because people that live that way, there's not a single thing that comes into your life that has not passed through the filter of God. People that honor Him with all their being, there's not a single thing in your life 
that does not first pass through the filter of God. And if you're going through it, he has passed through his filter, which means he's allowed it. And he knows. He goes to Matthew 6, 16, and he's talking about fasting. He says, why do you make yourself look like you're going through such a pain? Why do you make yourself look like it's so hard on you? Because you want to be seen by others. Don't you know God sees? And no one else sees that you're on your 37th day or you're on your 7th day. And no one else has to see that. No one else has to know that. You don't have to blast that all over Facebook. You don't have to do that. He sees and he knows. Do you believe that? Do you trust that, you little faither, you? And then he gets into financial issues in Matthew chapter 6. He says, he says, don't store up treasures for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves will break in and steal. Where's your hope going to be? And he gets to that end of that passage and he says, you can't serve two masters in Matthew 6, 24. He says, you cannot serve two masters. And he ends up with saying, you cannot serve both God and both money. Wh- who will you trust in your life? Yeah. That doesn't mean that, 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 that you, you aren't a responsible person and have concern for your retirement. That's, that's not at all what that means. It means, where's your hope? Where's your hope? You can't serve both God. Where, where do you put your trust in? You see, I'm trying to say all the way to, through chapter 6, there have been trust issues. So it's no surprising that when he gets to this last passage that we've already read, it starts in 626. He says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. They don't even know why they do what they're doing. That's it. They, just go get a, they just go get a straw and start building a nest because there's something instinctual in them to do that. I take care of them. Won't I take care of you, you little faither, you? Aren't you much more valuable to me than they are? And if I take care of them, won't I take care of you, you little faither, you? He knows. The Heavenly Father knows. And verse 27 through, uh, we've already talked about that. Can you add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? The passage goes on. And why do you worry about clothes? They don't labor, the fields don't labor or spin. And yet not anyone was dressed like these clothes. Even Solomon wasn't dressed like these, these, the grass of the field which is here today and gone tomorrow. Who will you trust? I take care of these things that he's saying are not nearly as valuable to me as you are. Will you not trust me to take care of you? So do not worry. Stop it, you little Faith or you? (laughs) And then he finishes the passage in the verse that people have on their homes or life verses or whatever it may be, 633 of Matthew. But seek first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be taken care of. And you can paraphrase that first. It said, if you do what's right, seek first. If you do what's right, 
then trust God to do what's right. If you do what's right, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you do what's right, trust him to do what's right. And all these things will be added to you as well. What's the antidote for worry? There's several written in in that passage, and I don't have time to go through all of them, but the one that just shouted at me this week says, Your Father, your Heavenly Father knows. Knows. Jesus repeated this right before his death, and he's getting ready to go off, and all these disciples are saying, What in the world? I've committed my life to you. John 14, chapter 1. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Troubled heart that's worried. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You you believe in God, then you, you, you trust in me. You believe also in me. Makes it a faith issue. Don't let your hearts be troubled. But, you, you, you've, but you've told us you're leaving and we've left our homes and we used to fish for a living and we've, we've left it all, but you're leaving. He said, don't, let you, don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then John 14, 27, he continues in that same vein. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. That's not like the peace that the world will give you. The world will give you a flush 401k. The world tells you that peace is, is having all your ducks in a row and all your kids are or doing what they're supposed to be doing. And the world would tell you that you can't have peace without that. And Jesus says, no, I'll give you a different kind of peace. I'll give you the kind of peace that says, I know. I know. So peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We probably will get to fear not in this little series called Stop It, Things That Jesus Said Not To Do and they're obviously very closely related. Paul repeats it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, don't be, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, give it to God in prayer. But in every situation, talk to the Father about it. In every situation, give it, give it to God in prayer. I don't know about you, but um, I, I'm, I'm not a real good prayer, I guess. I don't know, because I, I, just, I just don't like to pray for things for a long time, you know? Month, six months, year. I, I just I don't like to I just don't like to do it. He he heard me the first time I've said it. Why do I have to keep coming? I mean, that's that's almost a work listen, that's almost a works mentality. <clears throat> if I pray hard enough, he'll finally hear. That's a works mentality, friends. He heard me the first time. So there's been many situations in my life that I've said, Lord, I'm I'm just real. I'm just honest with God, and 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 why not? He already knows what your heart is anyway. I, I said, Lord, I'm tired of praying about this. I literally have done this. It's yours. Whatever that situation was, 
wadded up into a ball in my hand. I, I literally have done that. I've done that in a car. I've done that sitting in a lazy boy. I ain't praying about it anymore, Lord. You know exactly what it is. Take it. It's yours. I can't do anything with it. Nothing I can do about it. You know what I want about it. Now, maybe that's not good prayer theology, and if it is, I, you know, I apologize. But that's the way it works out with me. Take it. Don't be anxious about anything. Give it to God. In prayer, and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the next verse says, And then the peace of God, not the peace of the world, peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means I can't explain it to you, and you can't explain it to me. will guard your hearts and your worried mind, your divided mind, your distracted mind, your mind that is being torn to pieces with the troubles that you're fretting about. will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is it you're worried about? Those one, two, three, five things. Well, I don't know what they all are. What is it that's troubling your heart? What is it that you're fretting about? What is it that keeps you awake at night? You know, there's, 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 there's lots of times on Saturday night that I'll wake up at 3.30 and I can't get back to sleep. And, you know, and my, my message is in my mind. And I can't get back to sleep. So you know what I do? I just get up. I get up and sow and reap. And store away in barns. I get up and do something. If, if I say, well, maybe that's the Lord telling me that I'm not as ready as I thought to be. Let's, let's get up and sow and reap and store away in barns. I, there's, no sense, there's no sense laying there in the bed and worried about it. I, I can't go to sleep. Worrying about it's not going to help. I might as well get up and labor and spin. Maybe, maybe it's God telling me that, that. No, Mark, that you haven't got it all yet. I evidently didn't have the peace of God or I'd been asleep. What is it in your life that's causing you problems, causing you worry, causing you to fret? And just imagine the Heavenly Father coming up to you and saying, I know. Marcy, I know. Dawn, I know. Jeff, I know. He does. We used to sing this song about eight or nine years ago. It was written back in 2000 by Tommy Walker. Was one, he, he was one of my favorite writers and singers, and he kind of faded out and retired or something. I don't know. He goes, he's not doing anything anymore as far as new stuff. And, you sing that little chorus that says, He knows my name. Remember that? He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. Remember that? And hears me when I call. 
probably been a while since you've heard that. Let me play a little clip here of Tommy Walker singing that and reacquaint you with the truth. Not because it's good guitar picking and all that. It's the truth that is in those words. Can you go ahead and play that? Amy? these things and your heavenly father knows you little faith are you Josh going to play that play that course and we're just going to sing through that course a couple of times and we're going to receive communion together and he knows my name sing with him please
we're reinstituting communion this week. I hope you grab one of these. There's on tables out there. If you didn't, grab one next week. They'll be out there until we go back to normal. Hopefully not the new normal. And um, some of you, I don't know, some of you may um, like to come forward even now and receive it at the altar. Bring it with you. You may want to talk to God about some things that you're anxious about or that you're worried about. I don't know where you are, but don't be, don't be shy to get up even now and come to the altar. But as we um, take this off, you take it off very carefully from the top. You rip it off. The, well, I've messed it up here. But I've torn the whole thing off. Anybody else do that? All right, I don't know. Te- I, I happen to have another one. You all don't. Ha ha, I'm the boss. So hopefully I can do it right this time. I did it right in the first service. But I didn't. So if you're better than I, you can get down to the little wafer, do that. This is a sorry substitute, isn't it? They ought to make this whole thing edible. You just go like that. If you have the wafer, you're better than I. Take that wafer. And that's this semblance of Jesus' body that was broken for you. So he said, take this. And then he passed around, probably was a common cup, and he passed that around. And he says, "Um, drink this in remembrance of me. This is the blood of the new covenant, the covenant where I'm close to you. So he says to do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that together, please. Father, um, this is a universal issue because there's times for us that we're little faithers. So I pray you would increase our faith. I pray that you would increase our trust, you would increase our belief in whatever situation or situations that we're going through. I pray that you would help us through all of those. May we know that you know. May we know that there's nothing. There's no family issues. There's no money issues. There's no job issues. There's no career issues. There's no prodigal son issues, there's no health issues, there's no cancer issues, there's, that has not first been filtered through your will. There's not a one of those that you don't know about in our lives. And so you tell us, and Lord, it's a mouthful for us, and you know that it is. You've told us to stop it. You said, don't worry. It doesn't do any good told us you've got it you know all about it it's not taking you by surprise help us to trust believe 
and not be little faithers. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.